Amen. Well, it's just uh, good to be here in spring, the nice weather. And uh, when nice weather happens, everyone's so kind, everyone's so nice to each other. You know, it's, that's good, right? It's so good. And uh, it's good for our soul. And um, man, last Sunday, well, last weekend, we had Easter, incredible weekend. Um, we had close to, with our in-person and online, almost, almost a thousand people that was a part of that. And um, yeah, and, but bigger. But better than that, I want you to clap for this. We had 20, 25 people that came to know Jesus Christ last weekend. That's better. That's better. Uh, so we're thankful for what God is doing here, and, and uh, it's just a lot that's happened. If you're watching online, thank you for hanging out with us. And, and uh, today we start a brand new method series, Difference Maker. And uh, if you got your notes, and uh, we're going to start right here in the scripture, Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, the words of Jesus, he said, to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This was Jesus right before he was to be ascended into heaven. He just had the crucifixion, the resurrection, 40 days later, um, he is about to go up into heaven. He spoke these words, telling the disciples that he wanted them, what he wanted them to do. And what he was telling them in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he said, I want you guys to go out and change the world. I want you to go out and, and be a difference maker. Impact your world with the message the only message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that message can change the world. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said this. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In John chapter 20 and verse 21, Jesus said, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me. I am sending you. Jesus makes it very clear that he wants each and every one of us to make a difference. And in the following weeks, in this series, we're going to talk about how you and I can become difference makers. How we can bring hope to the hopeless. How we can minister to the broken. To make a difference in the lives of those who desperately need the message, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it starts with you. That's the title of today. It's starts with you in our own individual lives. It starts with you making a difference. We, we see this in Acts 1.8, right? He said, you will receive power. You will be my witness. You see, it's not an option. It's not a good idea. It's not a possibility. It's not, hey, listen, if you got some free time, you know, it, 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 God said, no, you will do this. And so how do you become a difference maker? 
By the way, sometimes I think in order for us to be a difference maker in that mindset, we think we've got to do it with a group of people. You know, that we've got to get a bunch of people together to really make a difference. But today, this is not what I'm talking about. Today, it's all about you. How do you do it? How do you make a difference? You. It starts with you. Here's a great story of a, of a young man in India. His name is Yadav Payin. And he grew up on this little island that's no bigger than Belle Isle. Real small little island and went away for a little while, went to school as a young kid. And, and he came home to visit his family, visit home. He was 16 years old, 1979. And he came home and uh, went back and as he was walking along the little river that kind of cut through the island, something troubled him. Something bothered him. He walked through and saw a hundred snakes that had died. They had shriveled up from the heat. Now, I don't know about you. You know, I, that wouldn't trouble me if I saw a hundred snakes dead. You know, a hundred snakes, you know, no, dead. You know, for me, a good snake is a dead snake. That's right. That's right. There was a hundred dead snakes. That bothered him. You know, me, I'd be throwing a party. But this guy, it bothered and the reason why it bothered him is because these snakes had been washed in, you know, been washed on the shore during a storm, and, and when they landed on that, on that island, there was no trees. This used to be a flourishing island, had trees and vegetation, but erosion had kicked in, and, and there was no trees, no vegetation. And, and, and this, what, what was once a beautiful island had become a desert island, and these snake that got washed up on the shore during the storm had no place to hide from the, 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 the heat, from the sun. And so they died. And, and, and so this really bothered him. He said, man, I got to do something about this. And we're going to change it. He was going to figure out something to do that, that he can make a difference. And so he decided on that day, as a young 16-year-old kid in 1979, I'm going to plant a tree. I saw you plant a tree. And then the next day he woke up and said, you know, that one tree's not going to cut it. And so he planted another tree. When I, I said, one more tree. And the third day he woke up and said, you know what, I need, I need to plant another tree. And he planted a tree every day for 40 years. And 40 years, you know what happened? He changed the island. He is, quote, unquote, you can Google it, the forest man of India. And he rebuilt that island by just planting a tree, a little tree, every day. And you know what happened to that island? Well, the lions came back. The rhinos, they came back. The bingo tigers, they came back. Hundreds of species of, of birds, they came back. Deers, wildlife, they all came back. You know what else came back? The snakes. The snakes. And he said that that's a victory. And you know, that, that's India, okay? <laughs> we'll leave that over there. <laughs> you know? But he, he, he said the snakes, they came back. One young man changed future generations of that island by simply deciding, today, I'm going to do one thing. I'm going to be a difference maker. Can I ask you a question this morning? When's the last time you did one thing that you knew would make a difference 
in eternity? When's the last time that you did one thing that you knew would make a difference for eternity? I want to talk about a guy in the Bible that's similar to what this young man did, you know, what this young man in India did, and this guy is named Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah, let me just tell you about him. Nehemiah wasn't a king. Nehemiah wasn't a priest, a prophet. Nehemiah wasn't a warrior. In fact, Nehemiah, when you look at the scripture, the Bible said that he was a cupbearer, a cupbearer. He was a cupbearer to the king. You say, well, what's a cupbearer? A cupbearer had the job of tasting the wine before the king did. Now, if you like, if you like wine, you might be saying, dude, I want to be a cupbearer. Well, the problem is, the reason you would be a cupbearer was in case someone tried to poison a king. And so if the cupbearer dies instead of the king, what we thought was a cool job, it's not so cool anymore. <laughs> so it could be a really bad job. And Nehemiah, that's what he was. He was a cupbearer. You know, he would show up, and before the, before the, the king took a drink, the king would watch him take a drink. He would take a little sip from his cup. And if he's still standing after a couple of minutes, the king would go on and, and, and finish the drink. And, and so Nehemiah was, in some commentaries, they would call him a glorified butler. A glorified butler, just an ordinary guy who, who we're going to learn something in our story. He heard about something that bothered him, and it bothered him in a deep way. And God raised him up to be a difference maker. Nehemiah chapter 1, in verse number 1, if we pick up our story, the Bible said the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa. In our calendar today, Kislev will be similar to November, December, um, the year was 444 B.C., and Susa, if you're wondering what that is, that's what we would know as modern-day Iran. And verse number two, Hanani, one of my brothers, had come from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. And it said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. And for some days I mourned and I fast and I prayed before the God of heaven. Now, to understand what's happening, let me unpack so you can get the context of what took place here. The walls of Jerusalem have been down for about 140 years at this point. And it has been a tremendous embarrassment to the people of God. Not only was it embarrassing, but it left them vulnerable to outside attacks. And so the people of Jerusalem, they're very depressed, and it felt like they had no hope. They thought life was never going to get any better. The walls of our city are broken down. Well, how did that happen? Well, if you know the story of the Old Testament, 
In fact, if you were part of our series, uh, right before Easter, we did a series on the book of Joshua. One of the last things that they told Joshua, and Joshua told the people, like, hey, you want God's blessing? Obey him. Follow after him. If you want the wrath of God and the consequences that come with it, do you disobey God, worship false idols. And so everybody was like, hey, we're here. We're, we're with you, Joshua. Well, over time, the hearts of the people drifted. They disobeyed God. They started worshiping false gods and idols and, 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 and performing all sorts of, of sacrifices that were dishonoring God. And so God said, okay, there'll be consequences for your disobedience. And God allowed the Babylonians, you know, Nebuchadnezzar. This is where we get the story of Daniel and, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? And, and they came uh, to, you know, Babylonians come in and wipe out the people, to wipe out the city. They destroyed the temple. They, they destroyed the beautiful walls. And they took people into captivity. And then years later, the Persians became the dominant world power. They took over Babylon. And, 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 and the Persians, they were a little bit nicer than the Babylonians. They allowed some of the, the exiles, the families, to, to go back. Not all of them, but allowed some of them to go back to Jerusalem and to maybe rebuild a city. Now, people went back, they rebuilt the temple. It wasn't like back in the glory days when King Solomon built the temple, but they built the temple, which is, you know, just to kind of get through so that they had a place to worship God. But at the same time, the walls were never rebuilt. 140 years in shambles, open to, to, to an outside attack. They were, they were humiliated, you know, with the disaster and with the, with the shambles of their city. And the whole nation was just distraught, disgraced, the Bible says. They were disgraced, discouraged, until one man, a cupbearer, a glorified butler, an ordinary man, had what I call a Popeye moment. How many of y'all remember the Popeye cartoons? No, right there, okay, how many of you like, who's Popeye? Okay, <laughs> Popeye, you know, old classic cartoon, you got Popeye, you've got his girlfriend, olive oil, Right? And, and of course, there's always a villain in the story, and, and that villain, that bad guy, was named Brutus, right? And Brutus, you know, he, he's the big bully. He comes in, he never learns his lesson. Every cartoon, he never learns his lesson. All right? He goes in, he takes, you know, kidnaps olive oil, and he beats up on Popeye, and Popeye, you know, he's, uh, he, he would get mad, and he would take his spinach, right? He would squeeze it. You know, and, and, and the little spinach, pile of spinach come flying in the air. He'll open his mouth and he'll catch it and muscles start popping all over the place. And they kind of said this famous line. He said this famous line. He said, that's all I can stand. I can't stand it anymore. It's all I can stand. I can't stand it anymore. And then he go and he bring a whooping to Brutus. You know, takes out the bad guy. And he said, that's all I can stand. I can't anymore. You know, somebody got to do something about this. It might as well be me. And that was in Popeye. That was what Popeye did. And Nehemiah, he had this Popeye moment. He's going to hear about the broken walls. He can hear about the shambles and the tragic condition of the people. And he's going to have a Popeye moment where he said, that's all I can stand. I can't 
skin anymore. Somebody got to do something. It might as well be me. And every now and then, there's something that you're going to look at. You're going to say, no, I can't stand it. I can't tolerate that. I can't believe it. I can't, stand it. I can't believe that's happening. I can't take it anymore. Somebody better do something about it. In fact, it might as well be me. And I believe that we have people in this room who truly want to make a difference in the world. And God wants to use you. He wants to use anybody and everybody to be a difference maker. I want to talk about three marks from this story of how you can be a difference maker. Number one, if you're taking notes, God uses those whose heart is broken. God uses those who, whose heart is broken. And that's what difference makers have. They have something that's so big that breaks their heart. Look at verse number four. It said, when Nehemiah heard these things, he said, I sat down and I wept. You see, Nehemiah was so overwhelmed with emotion that he sat down and just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. Not just for himself, but for someone else. Now, what's interesting to me about this is that he was about a thousand miles away from the broken walls of Jerusalem. In fact, he's, he's never seen He's never been to Jerusalem. He's never seen pictures of the broken walls. He's never been on the internet and Wikipedia to study the, the story. There, there was nothing out there. And see, it would have been so easy for him to do what I have done a lot in my life. You know, you hear about some group of people and you hear about some tragedy from afar. And, and it doesn't really quite affect you and me. And it would have been so easy for Nehemiah to say, oh, man, that's so terrible. That's awful. You know what? I'm going to write a check, send them some money to appease some of my guilt, maybe pray for them. I'll pray for them. And, and then just kind of move on. It would have been easy for Nehemiah to do all of that. And at the same time, not let the burden of it get into his heart. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm really good at ducking pain. Right? You know, I'll be flipping through the stations and, or reading the news app and, and what's going on, and you hear about tragedy, and you hear about hungry kids, and you say, oh, man, that's just terrible. No, it's really bad. Now, speaking of hunger, I'm hungry. When dinner? And I duck pain. We feel bad for a moment, but it doesn't really get into you. And this is, God, that sounds terrible. I know. That's just how we are, though. If we're not in front of it. We don't see it. We don't, we don't experience the real loss. We hear about it in the news cycle for a day, and then it's over. You know, it's gone. And I was talking to someone earlier today. They said, man, I went, um, they just got back from Florida, one of our snowbirds. And they said, you know, we're living there for a while, and it's crazy because the hurricane that hit last summer in this area where they were staying, it's the blue tarps on all the homes. They're still cleaning up. It still works at you. But, we, you know, we move on. We move on from one tragedy to another tragedy to another tragedy. You know, last year's tragedy is 
It's over and done with in our mind. And this is how we're, this is how we're going at it. And, 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 and so Nehemiah, he opened up his heart. He hears about it. He could have easily just let it go in one ear after the other. Maybe he just touch his door, just a tight, little, slight little bit. He could have done that, but he hears about it. And he said, man, that's not right. That's not okay with me. And, and, and this morning, I want to push you a little bit. I want to ask you the question, what breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? What, what, what is it that breaks your heart on behalf of God? I've got, I've got, you know, some lines on your handout notes. So you just think about it. Maybe there's something specific. Now, for some of you, you might say children who are neglected. That breaks your heart. You might say human trafficking. And that breaks your heart. You might say the children who are bullied. It breaks your heart. The outcast. The jobless. The hungry. Maybe you're burdened for clean water in Africa and other parts of the world that don't have clean water. I want you to take a minute to think about what that is. What, what burdens your heart? What breaks your heart? You know, some of you might say, you know, I've got something that breaks my heart, something that just really gets me, but why doesn't anybody else care about this like I care? Now, why doesn't anybody else seem to care about what breaks my heart? You ever, you ever feel that? So why, why don't they care? Why doesn't he care? Why doesn't my husband care or my wife don't care like I care? You know why? It's, be, it's because God chose you. You, you. you see, you didn't choose the burden. The burden chose you. God chose you. And the deep within your soul. And it's so deep, and you open up your hearts, and if you're taking notes, you see, God can turn your misery into a ministry. I, I see people all the time, they come to my office and say, God, man, this is really, I really got a heart for this. I, I, I really got a heart for this. I'm passionate about this. And I know what I see, and what I always tell them, I said, God put in something in your heart to turn that into a ministry. I don't know how that'll come about, but God has put in a ministry in your life. He put in a need in your heart. Ministry. What's making you miserable this morning? What bothers you? God put in that there for a reason. God, God wants you to have that Popeye moment. I said, man, I can't stand it. I can't stand it anymore. Somebody got to do it. Something about it. It might as well be me. Difference maker. It starts with a broken heart. They see the need. It just wrecks them. It wrecks their soul. Here's the second thing about a difference maker is that God uses those who pray. Prayer right here is so important. The first thing that Nehemiah does after he wept the Bible said that he prays and seeks the God of heaven. Look at verse 4. He said, for some days I mourn and fast and I prayed before the God of heaven. 
So I know all sorts of people. You know, they'll say, you know, what can I do about this big need? What can I do about it? I'm just one person. Now, I'm, we're just one little family. You know, we're just one little life group. You know, what, 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 what can I do about it? I'll tell you what you can do about it. You can start by praying. You start praying. Some of the most important time you ever spend on earth is when you seek God in prayer. You say, but God, I'm still just one person. Yeah, but listen to this. God, if you're taking note, God plus one is always a majority. God plus you, because it starts with you. God plus you is enough. You got to believe that. Nehemiah did. Nehemiah did. In, in fact, in chapter one, we see 12 times where Nehemiah is praying. In the whole chapter, it's just one great, powerful prayer, and God raised Nehemiah up to be the great leader who was a praying leader. By the way, the strongest leaders I know are the ones who are praying. And through Nehemiah's prayerful leadership, something that should have taken years and years and years, it only took him 52 days. God, through an ordinary praying man, rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem in 52 days. That's incredible. You see, when God gives you a burden and raises you up as a leader, God can do something significant in this world in a very little amount of time when you start praying. Remember, God plus you is always enough. It's always. You know, as I think about having a heart for things, big question is this. Who do you have a heart for? Maybe there's someone you know that don't know Jesus. Maybe there's someone that's just in your family, maybe someone you work with, don't have a relationship with Jesus. I have on your handout note to write three names. I'm going to encourage you to write three names. I want you to think about three people that you could pray for. Think about the most pagan person you know. You know who that is. Think about the most pagan person. Think about the person that, man, it would, it would be a miracle if you ever find Jesus. I want you to write that name down. Maybe it's that person you work with that you just can't stand. You know, maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's that, you know, that crazy uncle in your family. You know, whoever it is. Write it down. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's someone that speaks a different language. And he's, he's in your neighborhood. He's in your community. And so I'm going to pray for that person. Maybe, maybe you don't even know the name, but you know the face. Or you can just say, hey, it's the mailman that I see every day. I don't know his name. But I'm going to start praying for my mailman. I want you to start praying. Asking God to open doors. You know the most dangerous prayers that you can pray? It's a prayer that God answers every day. It's when you pray, God, show me someone that needs to know about Jesus. Open a door 
I find out when I pray that prayer, it opens the door. It open, it's a dangerous prayer. It's a powerful prayer. God, open a door of opportunity to talk to someone about you. Be a difference maker. A difference maker is the one who prays. Pray for the opportunities. Pray for the things that God is putting on his heart, that person, that thing, that group, whatever that might be. You pray. And then number three, third mark of a difference maker is God uses those who are determined to take action. You take action. In other words, you make it happen, Captain. <laughs> you said, make it happen. You get her done. You said, get her done. Make it happen. You see, after spending some time in prayer, you know, Nehemiah didn't just sit around and just kept having prayer meetings. He made it happen. He decided to go before the king, and he talked to him and shared with him his heart. You pick up the story in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse number 1. He said, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and I gave it to the king. Now, I've never been sad in his presence before, so the king had asked me, why does your face, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? There can be nothing but sadness of heart. And he might have said, listen, I was very much afraid. Why, why was he afraid? Well, you know, if you're working for the king, you're not supposed to bring your emotion to the, to the room. You know, you're a servant. You're supposed to be, you know, emotionless. But this, this news of the wall has affected Nehemiah so much that the king read him like a book. He said, something's going on, man. What's up? And, and I'm sure he got a little nervous. He said, oh, man, I'm not supposed to act this way around the king. Uh, uh, so he, but then... Nehemiah said, but this is an opportunity. God has opened the door. You see the door opening up. And by the way, you know, I, I've learned a, a very spiritual principle here. You know, before you ask something from someone, a big ask, you know, um, uh, you want to butter that person up. Uh, just kind of butter them up. Butter her up a little bit, you know. I, I, I do a lot of time with my wonderful wife, and it works, you know. It's a spiritual principle because we see it right here. Check it out. Nehemiah, look at what he said in verse number three. Hey, may the king live forever. In other words, hey, king, you're looking, you're looking pretty awesome today. You know, you're, I, you're looking pretty handsome with your new haircut. You know, uh, I like your robe. You're styling, baby. You know, you, you got it going on. That's what kind of bothers him up a little bit. All right? and I'm sure the king's like, all right, all right, I'll take it. You know, he's listening to this. And, and then notice the big ask. Notice what he does. Nehemiah said, why should my face not look sad? When the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins. Gates have been destroyed by fire. He said, I'm just miserable, king. I'm miserable over there. And the king said to me, well, what do you want? And then Nehemiah, he said, I prayed to the God of heaven. He did a quick popcorn prayer. Right there. You ever had a popcorn prayer right before that meeting with the ball? You're walking in, Lord, help me to say the right words. Help me not to blow up. Help me not to lose my cool. Right? That's what's happening here. He did a quick popcorn prayer. And then he said, 
He said, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. You see, I want you to notice what a difference maker does here. Uh, 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 notice what he does not do. A difference maker is not a critic. He doesn't focus on the negatives. He, he, he doesn't whine and complain. He doesn't come to church, you know, with his arm crossed over, sick, soaked, and sour. You know, he, 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 that's not a difference maker. You know, a difference maker is willing to get his hand dirty, rolls up his sleeves. He sees the problem. He sees it as an opportunity, you know, to make something or someone better. That's what a difference maker does. And old Nehemiah, he rolls up his sleeves. He said, I'm not going to sin to other people. I, I, I'm not going to whine about it. I'm not going to sit around and, and I'm going to complain and, and ask, why, why didn't somebody do something about it? You know, God had put this burden into me. God had given me this misery and had turned it into a ministry. And I can't stand it anymore. I can't stand it. I might as well do something about it. It might as well be me. And as long as I've got breath, as long as I can breathe, I'm, I'm, I'm alive and I'm going to get something done. I'm going to make it happen. That was the heart of Nehemiah. And for some of you today, God is going to stir something up inside of you to make it happen. He put something in your heart. You know what it is. You're going to start praying and say, God, open the doors. Show me what that looks like. And the door is going to open. And you're going to see it. Someone's going to ask. Well, you're going to see an opportunity come out of nowhere. And you're going to be like, okay, God, I hear you. I see it. You know, I see it. And you're going to make it happen. You're going to do something. You're going to stop sitting around and complain and whine. You're going to make something happen. You're going to do it. And all the voices inside of you say, hey, you can't do it. You're not good enough. You don't know enough. You know, who are you? I want you to listen to me, my friend. It's if God can use an ordinary glorified butler to do an extraordinary task, God can use you. He can use you. Nehemiah. He was a difference maker. He had a heart for the hurting. He had a heart for the hurting people. But here's something else you need to know about becoming a difference maker. That difference maker has a heart for the lost. Just like our Savior, Jesus. He was a difference maker. He was the ultimate difference maker. Changed the world. I want you to look at this in Matthew chapter 9. I want you to see the heart of our Savior as a difference maker. As a heart for the lost. Look at verse number 35. The Bible said that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing diseases and sickness. When he saw the crowds, look what he did here. He had compassion on them. Compassion. That word compassion was something deep from within. Something very deep from within. You have compassion. I'm not just talking about, yeah, I care. I'm talking about a deep heartache. 
your heart stick about something or someone. Jesus, he was moved with compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, oh, the harvest is plentiful. There are a lot of people that need Jesus, and they're waiting to hear the message of the gospel of peace and the gospel of hope, the living word. They're waiting to hear it. It's out there. But the workers are few. We don't have enough workers to get the job done. We don't have enough difference makers to make it happen. And then he said, we need to pray. We need to ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. My prayers is that Lake Point Church doesn't go through the motions of just showing up, doing our thing, and leave. My prayers is that our eyes will be open to see the field is ripe for the harvest. To quit, to, to, to keep on praying for those that we know, people that we work with, people that we love. Pray for their hope, pray that the opportunity for them to come to church, come to know Jesus. But we gotta do it. We gotta get out there. If if you if, if we're leaning on Facebook marketing. Billboards and advertising to do the doing the job, then we're missing the point. It's you. It starts with us. It starts with you. It starts with you having compassion, a deep heartache for the lost, for people who don't know Jesus. Having a heartache for those who are abused and left behind, the hungry and the hopeless. The child, you know, the, the, the child that had no parents. We have a heart for them. I know someone might be here today and say, you know, I, I can't do everything. The needs are so great. I can't do everything. And you're right. The needs are great. You can't do everything. But I'm here to tell you that you can do something. Can't adopt every kid. But if God puts it on, a heart, on your heart, you can adopt one. You can't adopt every, or foster every kid out there, but if God puts it on your heart, you can foster one, two. You, you can't feed every hungry person in the world, but you can help one. You can do something. We can all do something. God's going to speak to some of you today, and you're going to realize I'm not okay with this. I'm not just here to make money, accumulate things, and then die. God put me here for a reason. And you're going to open up your heart to some injustice outside of yourself. And you can say, you know what? It's not okay. You're going to have that Popeye moment. I said, I can't stand it. I can't stand it anymore. Somebody got to do something. It might as well be me. As we get ready for greater things offering every year, at late point, we do a greater things offering. And some of you have these buckets in your house. You know, and throughout the years, some of you have been dropping in change. Dimes and nickels and pennies, dollar bills, $100 bills. 
You know, some of you got big change, $100 bill change, right? But dropping them in all year long. And, 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 and in a few weeks, on May 7th, we'll be putting in a bucket. We'll be dumping it in a big, giant offering basket on steroids. Right up here in the front. You're going to take your bucket, you're going to dump it in there. And every penny, every dime, you can go to make a difference. In one of our local organizations, Trip Plant, and we're going to help a trip plant in Detroit. Started a, started a church last year. Get to help him. Love for a child. Great ministry that does foster care ministry for kids that are in such difficult situations. Peacemakers, the great organization down in Detroit, preaching the gospel all week long to the homeless, to the hungry. We're going to be helping out uh, build the money that we're given to help build a home for ladies and women that are homeless, that need a place for shelter and rehabilitation, get back on their two feet. And we're going to be doing all this, and you're going to be putting your change in. You might look in your bucket, it might not only be, it might only be that thick. Maybe some more, that, that's fine. You say, man, it doesn't look like it's much. God can take what you got. Little is much. When God is in it, you can make a difference. Every penny, every dollar. Some of you will bring your change. You might do what I do every year. I have an extra check on top. Last year, we collected $35,000. I believe God can do greater things this year. In the light of economic depression, what's going on? I believe that God can blow $35,000 and go beyond. That we can be the hands and feet making a difference. God, we ask you to help us today to be difference makers. God, help us to act on our burdens. To act on our burdens, but break our hearts. God, help us to pray. And then God, help us to do something about it. Help us not to sit, soak and sour, complain and whine. Help us to do something. Make a difference. God, help us to remember the last time we did that one thing that makes a difference in our lives for eternity. Maybe it's been a while. Maybe we can't remember. But God, help us this week to do the one thing, whatever that is, the one thing that can make a difference for eternity. Help us, God, to be difference makers. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Isn't it amazing how God can take a broken man Let him find a fortune, let him ruin it with his own two hands And he climbs on up a hill, on the rock on which he stands He looks back at the crowd, looks down at his hands and he says I am a difference maker I am a difference maker Oh, I am the only one who speaks to him And I am the friendliest of friends of God Yeah, isn't it amazing how a man can find himself We're all sinners, we're all astronauts So if you're beating death, then raise your hands But shut up if you're not Cause I am a difference maker Oh, I am the only one who speaks to him And I am the friendliest of friends of God
Would you stand with me today? You know, the whole, the whole point of that song is that you make a choice, not by based on who is next to you, but based on who is in you. And that you kind of get sick and tired of conversations, people saying they care a lot. That's why I just love that line in the end. It's pretty aggressive for a Sunday morning, I understand. And he says, and if you're beating death, then raise your hand, but shut up if you're not. <laughs> How often you telling people to shut up in church? There's some people I just wish would shut up, though, because they'll talk about every kind of issue in the world, but when it comes to actually making a difference in the world and actually loving people and then telling them about Jesus, silence. What will you do? Who will you be? Whose bucket will you fill? I heard a pastor say recently that as a pastor, it's not my job to fill your cup. It's my job to empty my own. So I just wonder if you have something to empty. It's not just about the money that we'll be collecting, though it will make a difference. Generosity changes the world, there's no doubt about it. But for you, what's that thing that might be on your heart? Where he's saying, well, I, I've given you insight into this problem, I want you to step into it. Because when I look at you, a bunch of difference-making people right here in the middle of Shelby Township, the city that the country doesn't talk about, who cares? Make much of Jesus, my friend. Be a difference maker.